0: Things that kids do that are totally unacceptable for adults. Now uh, some of you ladies are think I'm married to that guy, and I'm so sorry for that. <laughs> but the truth is, God put us into families to help us grow up so that by the time we reach that age, we don't act like immature children. And God put us in the church family as well, for the same reason to help us grow and mature. Obviously, today's about kids and uh, how we can and should impact the next generation. I've been praying all week that God would help you to hear the words that I had to share that I believe can change the way we even do things around here at East Point. Even if you're not a parent. Some of you think, oh man, he's talking about kids, I should have stayed home, should have watched football, I don't know why I'm here. Well, even if you're not a parent, all of you have children in your life at some level that you do have influence over. Some level, whether you're an aunt, an uncle, a a big brother, a, a, a neighborhood kid, you all have children in your life at some level that you do have influence over and i think that influence is something god takes very seriously i grew up in church from the time i was a week old i have been a part of church and except for a year where i walked away from the lord in my uh, 20s i had been in church a lot i was a pk a preacher's kid so we were there the first ones there the last ones to go i went sunday morning sunday night wednesday night and somebody went to church three times a week yeah we did really did and more than that uh, then there was uh, our version of awana there was uh, youth group there was choir practice all these things i mean i lived pretty much at this place called the church uh, which was really the church building and not just the church but i spent most of my life growing up around church and here's what i remember and here's my experience and i'm gonna be honest with you i hated church. To me, it was boring. I didn't like the songs. I didn't get it. Uh, we would have Sunday school, and some of my Sunday school teachers, I remember a couple of them because they were so terrifying to me. We'd sit in Sunday school, and then we'd go, and uh, back then they didn't really have children's church or a separate place for kids, and so we'd all the kids would all come in and sit with their parents during the service. And I thought, oh, that's the way it should be guys, put yourself back when you were five, six, seven, eight, nine years old. You didn't understand what the guy was talking about. You didn't like the songs. They were too slow. There was no, you wanted to do motions and movements, and they wouldn't do that. And it was boring. And I learned early on that church was really not designed for kids. They didn't design what was going on, in my experience, with kids, you know, understanding them. They were tolerated but not valued. And outside of the Christmas play, which is the only time that they really need the kids, and I was always assigned to be an angel, which I wasn't, by the way. (laughs) But outside of that, they never really did anything to engage kids or to make church very exciting or beneficial. And tragically, and, and very seriously, a whole generation of kids just like me also brought up in the church, left the church as soon as they were able to do so. Why? Because somewhere along the way, the church forgot to invest in and to meaningfully impact the next generation, the church failed. I at least I know the church that I grew up in, and 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 it, I was it wasn't that unique. The church failed to truly value and bless the children in their care. You need to know if you're a guest today, or if you're visiting, or checking out East Point. Uh, maybe you've been here for a while. That I'm committed to not being that church. We are not, and will not be that place. We love and value children. We believe in making an impact on the next. And that's why today is a time where I want all of you to dial in and listen carefully. Here's the big idea. In fact, here's what I really want you to walk away with. Just like Jesus, we must know the value of children and understand the importance of training and engaging them in the adventure of following Him. Just like Jesus. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 19. If you've got your Bible, open up to Matthew 19. We'll get there in just a moment. But what you're going to see is that Jesus valued kids. He valued them. And we've got to know the value the importance that He placed on children and understand that we also have a responsibility, a role, a godly role, a God-given assignment to train and engage the next generation in the adventure. And it is an adventure. That's why I love calling what we do back in the back with kids Adventure Lamb, training them in the adventure of following Him. Jesus modeled this for us. He demonstrated His heart in his attitude towards kids. In Matthew chapter 19, let's pick it up in verse 13. Matthew 19, 13. Then little children were brought to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. Now, let me just pause and say this was very customary for parents to do this in Jesus' day. They would bring their little ones to a rabbi, to a religious leader, uh, and they uh, would ask the leader to bless their children. Very common that this happened. And it actually shows that these parents held Jesus in some esteem, that they would do so and bring their little ones to him. It says in verse 13, the latter part of that verse, but the disciples rebuked those who brought them. And that word rebuked means that they were very harsh with the parents. Pretty much that it was, well, who do you think, what are you doing? You can't bother Jesus. You can't bother him. He's too important. And they rebuked the parents that brought their children to Jesus. Verse 14, here's Jesus' response to this. Jesus said to the guys, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Jesus, in fact, the English translation of his words here don't give the full impact of his rebuke to his disciples. When he says, do not hinder them, he says, don't you dare go there. Do not hinder them. Let the little children come to me. Verse 15, when he placed his hands on them, he went on from there without question without question children were important to jesus and it was his desire to bless them it's what he wanted to do and i want to suggest to you this morning and i want to consider this how can we do so how can you bless engage and impact the next generation because my suggestion is that's god's call that's our responsibility how do we do that well first thing we must do is we need to learn to see children the way god does how do how does it start how do we begin to make an impact on the next generation This may seem like a duh, but we've got to see them the way God sees them. We need, perhaps, a different perspective. The disciples saw them as a nuisance, saw children as unimportant and a problem. Jesus saw them as a precious gift from God and as people, little people, but people worthy of his time and attention. And that's why he said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. I know we've got lots of single folks in our church. If you're single here today and you are a single person without kids, um, I'm still speaking to you this morning. Some of you are single parents. Some of you are part of a blended family. Some are part of what used to be called a traditional family. But you all need to understand this. Every one of us in this room or listening online need to understand this. God loves and cares deeply for children. They matter to him. God loves them, and they matter a great deal. And when we see kids the way Jesus sees them, something profound changes in our perspective of the little ones around us. And we won't see them as a bother or a nuisance or problem to be avoided, but as an opportunity to invest in the next generation. Even before my wife and I were married, we were high school sweethearts. And the church we attended had at a children's church, and we worked with kids and loved it. And we, when we got married, we wanted to have children right away. We actually waited about three years uh, but we loved kids, and we saw their value. And then, um, most of you know that for years I was the children's pastor at Life Center, our, our mother church, or daughter church of Life Center. And uh, I invested thousands of hours in helping parents and uh, leaders and volunteers serve the needs of the children at Life Center. I had the opportunity, uh, this is now about 15 years ago, to speak at a uh, kids' camp. There are about 200 Uh, Grade school children at this camp, and it was fun. It was so much fun. Uh, You want to see unashamed love and passion for Jesus, get a bunch of kids together just worshiping and jumping up and down and loving Jesus. It was awesome. I taught uh, several topics during that week at kids' camp, but one of the things I talked about was forgiveness. Now, if you've been around here any length of time, you know that I, I cycle back to the issue of forgiveness on a fairly regular basis because we have lots of opportunity in all our relationships to practice forgiveness. And we need to be experts at it. And I've taught this to children. I've taught it to you. I believe in this. It's it's one of the heart. it's, It's how we become Christ followers is that we are forgiven. We walk into that forgiveness that God has offered to us. And so I'm teaching unforgiveness to these kids. And I told them, I said, I know some of you have been wounded. You've been hurt by your friends, by your, by your mom and dad, by someone in your life important to you. And I challenged and encouraged them to practice forgiveness, to walk in a lifestyle of forgiveness towards that person or persons. I will never forget this little third grade girl who came up to me, just this cute little spitfire of a thing. She came up to me and she said, can I talk to you for a minute? And I said, sure you can. What's up? And she started to cry, and she couldn't look me in the eyes. She says, I don't know if I can do that. I said, do what? She said, I don't know if I can forgive. So said, I know it's hard. She says, no. She said, my daddy left us this week, and I don't, I'm so, so hurt and so angry at my daddy. I don't know if I can ever forgive him. I wept with that little third grader, and she wept as we did pray for, that God would help her. But my heart broke for her because God's heart broke for her. We wept as I prayed for that night because I had the father's heart for that little one who was having a hard time forgiving her daddy. I didn't see that third grade little girl as a nuisance or as a bother. I saw her through the eyes of Jesus, and it radically affected me. In fact, I will never forget that experience for as long as I live. We need to see the children all around us, those that you drive by that are neighborhood kids, those that you work with, those that are in your family your extended family we need to see them through the eyes of the father and here's the second thing we need to do because when we see them we'll get this we need to ask the father to give us his heart for children i want to encourage you not only do you need to see them and ask god to give you his eyes but ask god to give you his heart for the children around you in fact let me put it this way if you've got an attitude about kids and it's a bad attitude i want to encourage you to deal with it ruthlessly And to ask God to do some heart surgery in you. Because that's not like God. That's not his father. I want you to ask God to reach inside the coldest, hardest, darkest, deepest part of you. And to change you from the inside out. To change not only the way you see kids, but the way you feel about them. To change your heart. I want to ask you a couple important questions. In fact, I can't think of any more important questions than these right here. Here's the first one. Do you want to be more like Jesus? Now you don't have to answer out loud, but if you're a Christ follower... I hope your answer is yes. I mean, that should be our goal, that we want to be more like him. The word Christian means Christ like little Christ. We follow him. We are followers of Jesus. And to follow one is to practice, to learn, to do what he did, to have his heart, to live the way he lived. And the question, do you want to be more like Jesus? Again, the answer ought to be yes. Well, do you want more to know him better? Do you want to know what matters to him? Do you want to know his heart, his thoughts, his his beliefs? Do you want to know him better? And again, I hope the answer is yes. But there's a simple and very effective way for us to get there, and it's to learn to love who and what Jesus loves. If you want to know him, if you want to understand him, then you love what he loves. You love who he loves. And Jesus loves kids. Here in Matthew 19, I imagine Jesus hugging these kids, kissing them on the forehead, holding them up in the air with a huge smile on his face, laughing, engaging with these little ones, these children, because it was in his heart to do so. I've got a picture I want to show you. Now, obviously, that was not taken 2,000 years ago. But it's a reenactment. But I love this picture because it demonstrates the, the heart of Jesus See the parents around and this little boy sitting on Jesus' lap as he just was being loved by Jesus. It wasn't hard for him to do this because it was in his heart to do so. The father, listen, the father heart of God is bigger and better than we can possibly even imagine. God's father heart for you. You know, throughout the scriptures, God is referred to hundreds of times as father, father God. Jesus prayed, father, Abba, father. This image of God as a father is so clearly taught in the scriptures over and over again. And we are considered his children, his his kids. And that that analogy, that picture is very intentional, I believe. God wants us to understand the nature of his relationship with us as a father and ours with him as our, our father. And for us to live in those kinds of relationships that we have on earth as well that impact our way of life. And God's love for you is greater than you can possibly imagine. 1 John 3, 1 says, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. John, the beloved disciple, says, How awesome, how amazing, how incredible is the love of the Father that has been lavished, poured out. Just The word picture there would be just a, a, a waterfall, Niagara Falls, poured out over us, that God has just poured out His love on us, so much so that we are called children of God. God's love for you is the love a good father would have for a child. And it's powerful. And it's more awesome than anything we can even begin to imagine. But if we are to become more like him, if we are to have his heart, then we need to learn to love what God loves and who God loves. And your prayer needs to be, I want to encourage you, your prayer needs to be on a regular basis, oh God, expand the capacity of my heart to receive more from you. See, God is love. He's the source of love. He's everything about love. And and the prayer that I pray on a regular basis is God stretch me, expand the capacity of my heart to receive more of your love. You know, when we're born, we have tiny little hearts. And I don't just mean physically. I mean we have small hearts emotionally as well. We're not given by nature to selflessness and sacrifice. Have you ever seen an 18 month or two year old? They're not by nature given to selfless sacrifice. But what happens is they grow. They mature. Their hearts are stretched. And their ability to pour out, to give, to bless others, to love others develops. That's God's intent. It develops as they grow. And as Christ followers, it's the same thing. When we first birthed into the kingdom, our hearts are pretty small. And then God begins to stretch us. And he shows us how he he wants us to love this world, to love the people around us, and to love the children in our world. And my prayer... And what I would encourage you to pray is, God, stretch my heart. Expand the capacity of my heart to receive more of your love. And then teach me to love what you love and to love who you love. First, we need to see children differently. And then we need to have God's heart for them. And here's the third thing that you can do to bless kids. You need to have impact through personal and practical involvement in their lives. If I'm anything, I'm practical. I'm not very profound, generally never been accused of that but i believe that we need to put some shoe leather to this i can talk all day about having the heart of god the father heart of god seeing through god's perspective and you go oh wow that's really good Kurt. oh yeah preach it brother i like that oh i want more of god's heart but it boils down to this what are you going to do what will you do are you willing to to work that out in the way you live in the places that you have contact with children you can impact children through personal and practical involvement in their lives. In fact, I'm going to make a very bold statement right now. I told the first service I knew this would push a few buttons, and I talked to at least one person afterwards, and it definitely pushed their button a little bit. But here it is. I believe that God expects all of us to be involved at some level in the lives of children. Now, you're thinking, whoa, 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 time out. I'm an empty nester. I don't ever want to see another child again. (laughs) Or you're thinking, I'm, I'm single, and I don't like kids. I don't have kids, and there's a reason for that. Or some of you thinking, I have five kids and I wish I didn't have any. You know, some of you have an attitude, and again, back to the, seeing them the way God sees them and having His heart is very important. But I truly believe that at some level, all of us, the single, the young, the middle-aged, the old, all of us at some level are expected to have impact at some level in the lives of the children around us. You see, even those of you without children, those of you that are empty nesters now, God can and will use you to impact the life of children. Let me point out something that may seem obvious, but often not really connected uh, or in our understanding. Jesus wasn't a parent. He didn't have any kids. But look at what he did. Look at how he loved them. He saw their great value to the Father, and he intentionally invested in their lives. And by the way, this example in Matthew 19 is just one. And Matthew 18, you can read it on your own. Jesus grabbed a child, he stood in the midst of the disciples when they were arguing about who's the greatest, and he said, unless you become like a little child... Jesus used kids to to illustrate truth and he invested in their lives on a regular basis. And we need to understand that all of us have that opportunity and that expectation. Where do I get that from? Well, you know, the Bible refers to the church as both the body of Christ and the family of God. They're they're very powerful pictures. The body, I love that picture of the body of Christ because if you think about the human body, the point is that we're all connected that there's no time in, or, you know, in pl- or place for me to say, well, I don't value my toe because it's just a toe. Have you ever dropped a rock on your toe? You value your toe a lot at that point, and I've got a scab on the end of mine right now because I stubbed it. We value the parts of, of our body because we realize they're all connected. Yeah, it's just a pinky, it's not that big a deal. Well, take a, you know, no, good graphic. But if you removed your finger, you would miss it. That would make a difference, especially if you play guitar, it matters. And, but he's like, well, it's just a pinky. It's not an eyeball. It's not nearly as important. But the way God designed the body of Christ is that we value each other and that, that all of us understand the connection we have. I love that picture. But another picture that's used of the church, the community of faith, is the picture of a family, a family of God, that we are connected as members of a family. And as members of this family, we share in responsibilities. And the responsibility is to care for, to serve, and to love the body, the family of Christ. To love others, to care for them. You know, if, if you have a family, if you, all of us grew up in a family of some sort, you realize early on that no matter how young a child is, you know, my baby, um, the fourth kid in our family, when he was three or four years old, he was taught to clean up after himself. Hey, you made that mess, guess what? Clean it up, Isaac. You know, we, we train children. We understand that, hey, we're part of a family. We're in this together. It's not just one person carrying the load. We all, we're in a family. It's your turn to do the dishes. Why? Because we serve one another. We're in this together. We're a family. Moses, speaking to the family of Israel, it was the nation, but they very much understood this concept of being a, in a family. He said in Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 7, these words, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. By the way, Jesus said in, in the Gospels that this is the greatest commandment. And then Moses when I said, These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. He said, I don't want them just here. I want them here. I want you to feel them. I want you to, to own them. He says, Impress them. Listen, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit down at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Moses said, Impress God's Word and His ways on kids. Now, certainly... This is primarily the the, the role of a parent, uh, to impress God's word and ways on their children. I absolutely believe that. But there was this national identity that Moses knew, that the Israelites shared, that they took very seriously. They saw themselves as a family, as connected to each other. I was in Israel over a year ago, and in the old city, uh, the Jerusalem Quarter, I remember sitting there eating my bagel, which, which was awesome. But eating my bagel and watching these families uh, interact with each other, and I, I couldn't really even tell which kids belonged to which parent because they were all involved. They were, it was like this group, and, and they saw each other as a family, and they cared for one another. In today's modular and extremely mobile society, I think, in fact, I know that we have lost something We've lost the positive impact that that extended families used to have on on one another. You know that um, our culture today is is uniquely different from any other that ever existed in all of history. Up until the early 1900s, families pretty much lived within at least a mile or two of each other. Grandparents and parents and children, sometimes great-grandparents, they all lived in proximity with each other, and they experienced life together. I, you know, you, some of you are old enough to remember Little House on the Prairie. Remember that? How about uh, the Waltons? How many of you remember the Waltons? All the old people. Um, great program though, but you know, it's, it, it demonstrated this extended family experience that by the way, I truly do believe is what, the way God intended it to be. Now I, 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 understand the nature of our world and people say, well, I can Skype and I can FaceTime and I don't have to live with my kids to, if I live with my kids, I would kill my kids. And I, I understand all the, the, the complaints and the, the issues and the other stuff involved in this. But what I also know historically, and I stand on this, I'll go nose to nose with anybody about this. That you can almost track to the period where the extended family began to break down and people began more, 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 uh, more mobile and less connected with their family units that you can see. Divorce went up. Child abuse went up. All sorts of problems and issues are very closely related to this similar issue of the breakdown in the extended family. I'm just going to throw it out to say I think God meant for us to have the influence of seniors in the life of children that He meant for us to have influence of children on seniors, that I stay young at heart when I hang out with my four-year-old on the ground playing trains with Him, that there's this connection that we are supposed to have that we've lost, and it has tragically impacted in many negative ways our culture. Now that's the bad news. And I truly believe that 50, 100 years from now, if Jesus doesn't come back, they're going to look back at the, at the 20th, 21st century, and they're going to go, wow, did things go south? And they're going to point to this very issue. It was the breakdown of not just the family, you know, but the extended family. And something was lost there. And, and I believe that with all my heart. But here's, that's the bad news. Here's the good news. You ready? We, the church, the community of faith, are an extended family as well. In fact, I believe this. I'm so passionate about this. I wish I could just pour some of my passion into your soul on this issue. I believe God wants the church I don't mean the building or the organization, but the organism, the church, the community of faith, the family of God, to be a model to a watching world of what they can't have if they walk with him, of what they can't see restored. A huge part of our faith in walking with Christ is he restores to us what's been lost. And I believe the community of faith, the family of God can restore what's been lost in our culture today. And the people from the outside that are desperate, some of them don't even know how desperate they are for extended family, for connection, that they will go. And some single moms will say, man, I, I, I'm all alone. And then they realize, but I won't be if I'm in church, if I'm in the community of God. Some that, that feel they're, they're 70, 80 years old, and they're, they're by themselves, maybe they're, they're widows or widowers, and they realize, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. And, but then they stop and think, wait, I have a family. I still am connected to the family of God. And people ought to look at us and go, wow, if that's what it means to be a part of a family, then I want in on that. I want in on that. We are the community, the family of God, and God intended for us, intended for us to be that. And I truly believe in this day and age especially that we have the opportunity to, to restore and to maybe even replace what's been lost in our culture. We can be that extended family. I love being a grandpa. I'm a grandpa to four wonderful grandkids. But nothing would thrill me more than be Grandpa Kirk to some of your kids. The first service, uh, Emma. She's a cutie little single mom and her daughter. And uh, I love being Grandpa Kurt to that little one. And and I'm just one. What can God use you? How could he use you to impact the life of children? You see, if you actively look forward and choose to engage in the life of a child around you, I truly believe it'll be powerful and it'll be holy and helpful and awesome for you and them. Let me tell you one short story we're going to Watch a video, and I'll wrap this up. But I need to tell you, part of the reason why I'm so passionate about this is because I've experienced it in my life. When I was 12 years old, we lived in St. Louis, Missouri, and my dad um, had a mental breakdown. In fact, he ended up in the psych ward of the hospital and was there for weeks and weeks. Uh, shock therapy on drugs, I remember as a twelve year old boy as the oldest of four children. I felt that I needed to take this responsibility to, to lead, and, and I, I, the pressure I felt you know, it wasn 't imposed on me it 's just something I took was unbelievable. I was angry i wasn 't sure if I was angry at my dad, angry at you know my mom, angry at God at all this emotion and this frustration and, and seeing visiting my dad you know, as he sat in a wheelchair in the hallway. Uh, unable to even communicate. I'm not even sure you knew who I was. Is a memory that I wish I could forget, and it was painful, and I was so angry. About that time, God brought this elderly woman into our life. Her name was Ruth Egbert. She went to be with Jesus long ago, but we called her Grandma Ruthie because Grandma Ruthie reached out and took us in. And a time in my life where I was um, really at a point where I'm sure I could have gone sideways in my anger and bitterness and become that rebellious teenager. I was about to become a teenager. I I know that in a time where I was so frustrated and angry and bitter and disappointed and embarrassed and all those things that I could have just gone off the deep end, Grandma Ruthie reached into our family and she took us in. She literally brought us into her home. And all four, my little brothers and sister, we, she'd have us do sleepovers. she baked cookies with us. She embraced us and loved us. And I'm here to tell you that she's one of the heroes in my life that I point to and said, if it wasn't for Grandma Ruthie, I might not be here. sir. her. And I will never forget the influence that she had in my life. You can be that person. God wants us to have that kind of influence in the family. Watch us together. My name is Nathan Harris and I am the family pastor here at East Point Church. My name is Rachel, and I am a classroom director in Adventureland. I'm Lynette Anderson, and I'm the director of the Nursery, the Tunes, and the Walkers. My name is Brenda Reniker, and I am the Adventureland's Connections director. Well, kids ministry is so important to me because I have a son in Adventureland. I want him to grow up knowing who Jesus is, what God is like, and really be able to experience community with other kids and adults. Some of these kids are coming from homes with no Christian background, and so we get to be the first example of Jesus for them. Kids ministry is so important because kids are important to Jesus and so here at East Point we get to um, partner with parents and show the love of Jesus to them. He wants us to love the children and our children are our future. Join us on the Adventureland team because kids matter. Because kids matter. Because kids matter. Join us on the Adventureland team because kids matter. Those guys are heroes to me. The people leading our Iwana team, Bob and his team, they're heroes to me. Because they get it, and they're leading the charge in investing in the next generation. We provide uh, Adventureland every Sunday for about 200 kids that show up. Like Matt mentioned, we're starting Iwana here Wednesday nights, and it's going to be another opportunity for your children to be invested in and to grow. But it takes a family... It takes all of us finding a place to serve, whether it's in your home, in your neighborhood, or in your church family, in our family called East Point. I want to beg you. I want to implore you. I want to I lean on you today to see children the way God sees them, to ask God to give you his heart, and then for you to say, now, God, show me what I can do. Show me how I can serve as a part of this family to make an eternal difference in the next generation. We're looking for at least 50 generation influencers, 50 people who will sign up to help with Adventureland. When you came in today, you were given one of these. In fact, pull it out right now, if you would. Come on, I wanna hear some paper rattling. This is an opportunity for you to sign up, to be involved in influencing the next generation. And some of you are gifted, you are great with kids and we need you in there a lot. But at the very least, and here's, you know, we're not, we don't practice guilt, you know. We don't motivate by shame around here at East point. But I'm going to lean on you a little bit if you're a parent. We view you as a partner. We, if, if you, some of you, and I know I've talked to a couple of you, well, man, I come to church and I just want to dump my kids off so I can go enjoy God. Maybe you need to see them differently. Maybe you need a different heart. And maybe you need to understand that the investment you can have. Do you have any idea how thrilled your child will be to have you in there even once a month? If you want to just sign up for the parent co-op, once a month you can go in there with your kids and and sing the silly songs and learn the stories. I tell new Christians all the time, you want to grow in your faith really quick? Go get involved in Adventureland. They look at me and I go, they they tell great stories. You'll learn. You'll know who Noah is because you'll figure that out in Adventureland. Go, sir. But here's the thing. Your kids will be thrilled. To see you get down there on the floor with them and they'll watch you serve. They'll watch you love. They'll watch you engage. And that will be a model to them that will always have an influence. And I'm asking you, if you're a parent, I, I, we need at least 50. I'm praying we have 150 and next week we to say, stop signing up. Because we need people to say, listen, I want to be a part of the next, the influence in the next generation for Jesus. I'm willing to step up and do what I can to be a generation influencer for God. And today, if you're a parent, once a month, you say, well, I, then I'll miss church. Hey, here's the concept. We offer two services. Two. You say, well, I can't leave my kids in a for two services. My grandson, Caleb, goes a lot to two services. They'll love it. I promise you, your kids will not complain. Oh, no, I have to go do those silly songs and have fun again. Won't happen. You won't miss church. You can serve one service and go to the other. And if you're a parent, sign up. But some of you, single, moms, elderly, you know, we're asking you to invest in the next generation. Use this form, fill it out, drop it in the offer buckets today, go back to Vigiland and see the, the tables in the lobby and talk to those folks about it. Because here's the deal, all of us have the opportunity. I am going to tell you one last little conversation I had with a man I'm done. I'm speaking with an old friend of mine, he's in his 80s. He's a grandpa, in fact soon to be a great grandpa and a father. And in our conversation, I'll be honest with you, I was complaining. I was kind of sounding like an old fart. Yeah, this next generation, they're going to hell in a basket. You know, I'm, I'm just kind of complaining about how messed up in all these video games. You know, I just, I really, I sounded like I was like 90 years older than him. And he looked at me and smiled. He said, Kurt, here's the deal. You know, we can complain about the condition of our world, or we can get involved and make a difference. And I, and I, I know. And he said, "Well, you know what? The best way to impact our culture is to impact the next generation. The best way to impact our world, our culture, our future, is to impact the next generation." And that's my encouragement and challenge to you today. Bow your heads. Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you that you have uh, represented yourself to us in the Word as a Father. God, you are Father to us. We are your kids. And you've shown us the kind of love we need to have for the children around us. And and God, I pray today that you really would help us change our perspective. Help us see kids differently. If we've got an attitude, then deal with that, Lord. If we've, been, if we've had blinders on, then open up our eyes to see the children around us. Those kids down the street as we drive to work and they're out waiting to go to school on a bus and we see them, God, give us your eyes to see what they're going through, to see the struggles they have, to see the opportunity that we have to invest in them. God, give us your heart for children. Children in our world, children in our city, children in our neighborhood, children in our community of faith, this church called East Point, give us your heart, God. And then, Lord, I do, without apology, I I ask you to boldly challenge us, to stir us to, to, to make a decision today to do something about it, to do something about making a difference in the generation behind us. God, help us to change so that we can be more like you. Keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. You know, speaking of change, maybe you're here today and you have not yet started your life as a Christ follower. And this morning, somebody invited you. Maybe you came on your own. Maybe you've been coming for a while. Maybe you've been investigating this thing called Christianity. And today, some light has gone on. God has just kind of lit up this revelation in you And you realize, man, I I, I want that. I want to be a part of the family. I want the love of the Father. I want to be in relationship with him. And it comes through faith in Jesus. That's That's the gospel. That's the good news. We believe and we come to faith in God through what Jesus did for us on the cross. We embrace his sacrifice. We make it ours. We personalize it. We say, Jesus, thank you for dying for me on that cross. Thank you for taking my sin And today, I choose to follow you, to surrender my life to you. That's what it means to be a Christ follower. And if that's your desire today, and every week, two, three, four, five people in our services make this this decision every week. If that's you today, then I'm going to pray this very simple prayer. And all I'm going to ask you to do is just to own this prayer. Make this prayer yours right now. In your own way, say, "Yep, God, what that guy says, that's what I want. Make this prayer yours right now. Father, forgive me. In fact, for the first time, I call you Father because that's what I want. That's what I need. I need you, Father God. Forgive me for my sin, for my foolishness, for going my own way. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. Thank you that I can live free from my past, that I can live free from shame and guilt, that I can be forgiven. Thank you for your mercy and your goodness to me. And right here, right now, I exchange my life for yours. I give up. I surrender to you, and I embrace your life as mine. And today, right here, right now, I choose to follow you. Now, if that's you, and that's your heart, in your own way, again, just say, yep, God, that's me. Today's the day where I'm beginning my life. It's the beginning. It's it's an incredibly important beginning, and there's a journey from here into eternity that God has for you. But today, if that's you, and that's what you want, then say yes to God. God your own way. And that moment you do, the instant, the nanosecond you do, the Bible says that you become a child of God. You're His forever. Lord, show them what you're doing. Show them what this means. Holy Spirit, fill them with your life, with that transforming power of God now, with inside of them to change them from the inside out. Do the miracle, Lord, that you do of bringing us into your family. And I thank you for that now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to finish with one last song. Uh, It's our custom here, to give as we worship. We believe giving is an act of worship. If you're a guest today, don't feel obligated to give. But if this is a part of your family, I encourage you to give to support what God is doing. But let's give as we worship. And you can drop those uh, adventure line cards in there or your your communication cards per request as well. And let's worship. I'll come back and wrap it up. I love you guys. I love this church. And I love our family. And that's what We are. And all I'm begging and imploring and pleading with you to be is to be that. Let's do that well. So that a watching world will go, wow, I, I, that's what I long for. That's what I need. If today you began your life as a Christ follower, uh, we are here to, to walk this journey with you. Um, by the tables, um, uh, by the doors, there's t- a table with uh, new packages for new believers on us. Material to get you started. Bible to get you started in your walk with Jesus. There's a s- First Steps class next week at this service time and the coffee chapel that's there designed for you to get started. So we, we want to walk with you. Tell somebody, let us celebrate this with you in this journey that you've begun today. If you need prayer, prayer team would be down front. There's communion available on both sides of the room. I would encourage you. I'd ask you. If you've got questions, stop by. The Line team is out in the lobby. Go talk to them. Find out how you can get involved. Let's make a difference in the next generation. I love you guys. Have a great week walking with Jesus. Thanks for coming here.